Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. <laughs> I don't know why it's still real to me, damn it, guy. It's funny, but... Yeah, guy. Where's that guy? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Oh, We've talked about. I wish I could find Can him. Can we get a little mini pop culture documentary on where that guy is? Because you know what? With all these mini superstars in pop culture, the uh, Catch Me Outside girl, people like that. Right. When they fade away into obscurity, I'm still every now and then. I'm like, hey, what happened to that person that used to be famous for like 15 minutes? Somebody should do a documentary. You know, to- oh, uh, no, da- Daniel gonna, Tosh. Da- Daniel just, Tosh did stuff like that with Web Redemptions on he Tosh. Does, but he does them in real time as they are. Kind of. Yeah, because he did one a couple years. Years ago with I the, went, I went after the crash. He he did one a couple years yeah. ago with the it's still real to me guy. Yeah, did he really? Yeah, I, yeah. See? I found this yeah. here. Uh, find it, Matt. Okay, looks like in 2016. <laughs> of Matt found a story yeah. about the, this guy. It's on Wrestle Zone. Do you know the Wrestle Zone? Yeah. yeah All right, a, credible yeah. news source. Of course, okay. Jeff knows the Wrestle Zone, which is right. a site I've never so heard of. So in November yeah. of 2015, they grabbed an exclusive with this guy. <laughs> oh man, so oh, we might have sound exclusive later. Exclusive insinuates yeah. it's still that you we, can get something nobody else can get. Trust me, if I call this guy, I guarantee I can get it in. Well, here, okay. here he is. Exclusive. Yes, we have him here on camera, so I'll, I'll do the research <laughs> and report back uh, next week. We'll there have a go. full book report. Here. Groundbreaking yeah. stuff here. Random, random, no, random we're good. Tape. It's on YouTube. We're at that time of year. Um, what? Uh, wow, okay. Hey, I, I yeah. want to get uh, to this real quick. Um, this is huge, man. I, I got to do some research, but this Uh-oh. looks like this just came down. Like, nice. literally just now. This is like do. breaking news live yeah. stuff. And this is huge. This is something Matt Brown live. talked about. He wanted for a long time. And Tom Herman talked about this a lot last year. Uh, this is Chuck Carlton from the Dallas Morning News because the NCAA is the rules committee is passing a bunch of stuff right now. This is usually the time of year when they do yeah, that. Looking at transfer um, stuff and all that. According to Chuck Carlton, redshirt reform passes. Division One football players can now participate in up to four games without using a season of competition. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, so those, those little four games, you have them in at the end of the season or whatever, right. they won't To hurt Tom Herman's that. point, you know, he looked, right. at, he looked at the bowl game, right? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Beck could have played in the bowl game, but they would have burned his year and he yeah, wouldn't have gotten to come back game. for a fifth year, right? Or Reese Lato could have played that in the bowl game. That would have hurt the young man. Right, when they were down to one tight end, they could have used one of the two tight ends. They were redshirt. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's, just, it's a it's a player's rights issue at the heart of it. I know, and I'm I'm a player, so I'll come from that perspective. But that's just another way the NCAA and they'll never be able, in my opinion, to kind of pay back the debt that is owed to student athletes right. because uh, they've taken advantage of them for so long, making this succubus, this vampire squid. Uh, that has been sucking the life out of, of amateurism for years. They're the ones who killed it, by the way. Amateurism is dead, but they killed it. NCAA did. But I digress. Uh, it's just another way to give them more rights, like like unlimited snacks and mm-hmm. you know what they got new thing every now and then to just, appear, just, yes, to appear like they're helping out the student athlete. That just that's common sense, you know. what I mean that should have been a rule years ago. Even the transfer rules now that they're like we should change these transfer rules, man. 
these things might not be totally fair to the student athletes. <laughs> oh, you mean no sucks, Sherlock? Yeah. It ain't fair to it's student like athletes. when it's communism and you start finally yeah. giving them some porridge <laughs> and they're happy. Oh, oh we have food. We are <laughs> dying. They're enlightened now. You know what? These uh, student athletes should be able to transfer without these penalties. This is unfair. Mm. Yeah, of course they should. So I, mean, I, I, I think that's good. It was a step in Very the right good. direction. So I, uh, I, did, I dig this role. This will pretty much eliminate, Rod, the uh, medical red shirt situation i mean because yeah. you know if you're if exactly you get right. injured in game three and you're out for the rest of the year well okay this is just you're basically your redshirt year and we'll write it off and you come back as a redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore or whatever now i'd imagine you could still get the hardship if you have you know a jordan shipley or both gave situation where you missed yeah, the two well, full years has to and miss. yeah, exactly. you can appeal so and all that time. stuff but I, I i dig this man i i, Who, I think this is yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Who's against this? Yeah, like what person there is that? And that's you know the way it's, I oppose this. This is not a you know what I mean. One, it's like this is the good point to point out that it's not good to compliment the NCA in these situations for finally it's giving. True. It's better that we're having this it's conversation like saying Rock, you know it's not good for to the right direction. No, but these right. are things that are necessities. It's the Chris Rock, uh, the famous mm-hmm. Chris Rock's comedy comedy skit. Uh, people always want credit for stuff they're supposed to mm-hmm. do. You know what I mean? I pay my bills. I take care of my kids. I ain't never been to jail. Yep. You ain't supposed to go to jail. Yes. You're supposed to be at work on time. You're supposed to take care of your kids. Mm-hmm. Why am I giving you credit for things you're supposed to NCAA's do? NCAA is supposed to take care of the kids they're for the higher education. They're supposed to take education. care of the student athletes, and, of course, now they're starting to do it. So. Um, I'll tell you who this is effective uh, for the, uh, let's see. Um, Probably the yeah, net following. I'll, I'll year, get, I'll get year. into this. Yeah, we'll have to discuss this at a later time because I don't want to read this on the air and bore everybody. But Rod, I'll tell you who this isn't good for. <laughs> I'll tell you this isn't good for. This isn't good for guys like Nick Saban that you know have had a habit of like pushing guys out. Maybe you play a guy, play a guy early to start the clock to expire, exhaust his eligibility quicker mm-hmm. to get him out the door. Yeah, that's where it hurts you. And with this too, thinking along those lines. This is where, you know, the SEC recently had stuff on graduate transfers where, you know, interconference transfers, blah, blah, blah. You're going to have to lighten up on the grad transfer rules because if you're pushing a guy out and he's got extra eligibility, why are you going to force that guy to sign something that medically retires him or basically prevent him from trying to go play somewhere else? No, I agree. If we're really if you're really about students rights and what's in the best interest of the student athlete, you're going to have to ease up on some of those grad transfer rules. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, I think they're already thinking about it. There are a lot of coaches who are very progressive. Tom Herman being one of them. Uh, very progressive about those ideas. Like, no, let's do as much as we can for the student athletes. Right. And then there's some idea. people vehement yeah. against different transfer yeah. rules, and so therefore there's definitely going to be change. There's not going to be any stagnation between the two. It's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. All right, a little bit of news at the top. This is Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I, I am Jeff Howe. Uh, <laughs> but I want to get into something that we started talking about last week, but let me bring in the rest <laughs> of the team real quick. He is a master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, uh, you're getting ready to take a vacation here in a couple weeks, going to Colorado the week yes. of the uh, after the Fourth of July, nice. got a cousin named Laser, and he uh, he always, he lives cousin, in the mountain. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. <laughs> yes. You got a cousin named Laser. Yes. Yeah, so my my family Laser? are all odd Austinites. L A Z E R. It's wow. his actual li- literal middle name. His older brother got wow. to name him, but oddly in my family, like my cousin Jason, his real name's Kylie. He goes by his middle wow. name, and ended up like one of my aunts just let her teenage son in 1984 name the kid. So is this a branch? So of it, is it like it's only because is this a branch of the Butler? Is this sisters. the Butler family? No, it's on the other side. The okay. Flugel, the family oh, that you've seen that's always out early in right. the morning <laughs> drinking and frying turkeys on Thanksgiving. Wow. My mom has like nine brothers and sisters. <laughs> right. So one of those sometimes when you have nine brothers and sisters, Sisters born and raised in Austin. By about the seventh, eighth, ninth, the grandma really just let them go do whatever gotcha. they wanted. So sometimes their kids wow. name their kids Laser. 
Yeah, Matt. Uh, yeah, awesome. Wherever awesome. Matt's family is on Thanksgiving is the place player. to be. Like, <laughs> you you guys have heard Matt tell the stories. Like, he's not joking. Like, I go pick up my turkey, and it's real like turkey fires going and beers everywhere, and it's a it's a it's celebration. It's a celebration. Our family celebrates the holidays. Hell yeah, so. yeah. yeah uh, a man who celebrates the holiday H uh, Town style. Uh, sometimes with the swamp people, he might eat some wild game mm-hmm. for a holiday. I've seen his uh, family have fried turkeys before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lifetime yeah. Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist for the. Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T-ring was, he would wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, I always like how the T-ring line just tickles you every time I run that down. Yeah, because I need to go get my T-ring. My girl's been on me about it, too. Still? Yeah. Oh, your mom's on you now. Mom wants me to have well, because my, I think my, my girlfriends told my mom about it. Now it's just multiple. See, when you get that deep in a relationship, Rod, you run into those problems. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. They, they start when they start communicating. Yeah, they start. Yeah, I, I don't even. They're like, uh, your mom said you need to call her. And I'm like, you talk to my mama? There's like, yeah, talk to, your mom. talk to my mama without me? You didn't. You don't even need to go through me anymore? And that's why I'm like, I, I've lost I've, I've lost now contained of the situation. Yeah. Like, there's no more. I used to be able to be able to like keep those two worlds. A You're a Manny Diaz defense against Taysom Hill. You've yeah, lost contain. It's exactly. just it's just going everywhere. She's it's all yeah, over the like place. She's overpowering me, man. That was a that was a that was a move right. That was a hell of a chess move right there. That was a that was a that, that was a Trump move like that. You know See, I mean? if she just went, went straight to my mom, started talking to moms, and now they they talk more than I talk to my mom. And uh, it's they're friends now because guys well, the guys don't, don't talk is. a lot on oh, the phone. Man, it's so, yeah. Like I'm I'm locked in now. Yeah. Well, See, if these, were, over me. if these were the old buffet yeah. days and I had my own machine, I would quickly go in, chop off one syllable. Instead of did Twana tell you that, it would just be did Mama <laughs> tell you that, and that would be perfect. For real. Uh, just, uh, she ain't for no don't games. Do, AI's mom was not for no games. games. <laughs> and Rod, I don't think your mom is for no games either, based, on, no games. based yeah, on what you've sold yeah. us in the past. Um, we're not going to talk about games because we're a long way, 80 days from kickoff as of today. So we're a long wow. way away from games. Uh, got my Phil Steele in the mail, though. I, I, I didn't yeah. wait for it to hit the shelves. I, I ordered it, and I paid for the extra shipping because I wanted that mug really early. So hey, man, I got that on the That's what you do desk. these days. Why would you go to a – that's hard to find bookstores these days. <laughs> there's a, there's like a Barnes & Noble off Brody. Like, yep. that's it. There you go. That's the right closest one in like a 30-mile radius Target to me. Target may have it. Do Target yeah. still have a magazine section? I don't know. Yeah, they do. Target do I, does. Do they still have And Target, I think, is the yeah, only like national retailer that carries Phil Steele. Yeah, Walmart, I think, may also have a little section for magazines. You seen that? magazine section at HEB, it's uh the shrinkage yeah. going on, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it survived. Like do everything else. Yeah. I can't believe there's a magazine section anywhere. But uh, <laughs> good point. Well, you got to find your Sudoku puzzles and your crossword puzzles. You got to have yeah. a place for those. This is true. Is okay. it going to be like how you used to say people if you find who, a? Uh, well, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, people yeah. that you go find a phone booth, you're in the wrong part of town. You know, is exactly. this going to be like well, if you go find a magazine rack, that means you're in a senior citizen like community? <laughs> like, how do you explain a magazine though to like a, a young kid? No, you know what I mean. Who was like so you know techno- so, t- technologically savvy and is an internet baby they're plugged basically into the matrix they got ipads at like four and five years old how do you explain a magazine do you basically just tell them that it's a website on 
paper. On paper. <laughs> no, yeah. I literally it's heard. Best attempt to put a website in a in a you know in a book here. It's like oh 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 advertisements. Oh here's an article. Oh here's another article. You know what I mean? Like that's all. Pretty much, yeah. Literally, yeah, literally a year ago, I heard Dan Levitard say that he was in a house on his, he was talking on his yeah. show, and a kid walked into the room, saw his friend reading a newspaper, and he said, "Oh yeah, what's that newspaper?" He's like, "How did it get here?" <laughs> It's like, what do you mean somebody threw it off of a bike or off of a... Like, how did it get... So you're saying somebody drives around and throws these things at houses? Like, that's just absurd. No, it is. I agree. Man, it's amazing. But, uh, so, yeah, so so we we know football season is getting close to the field still. I went ahead and picked up uh, the Athlon Big 12 preview. Uh, I was actually on this week uh, talking baseball with uh, Phil Savage and Braden Gall on uh, SiriusXM. So Braden and Mitch Light and all the people at Athlon always do a fine job. But Lindy's or whatever your publication of choice is, they're, they're out right now. It's about so, that time. So uh, go get it. But uh, I want to talk about Texas as it relates to the preseason. And, Rod, when you start looking, I, I gave you guys homework last week and we to, to have this yeah. discussion. As always, I forgot to do <laughs> I did too, homework. but I'll remember. But I'll remember, yeah. Damn it. And uh, we were talking about talented depth. And when you start looking at these magazines, you know, we – Here's the problem that I think, you know, Texas fans have, and I think we as media covering the team have. I think sometimes we don't see the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. We don't look at, well, what's everybody in the Big 12 returning? And, you know, what does Texas really look like on the national scene? And, you know, is 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 te- if you rank Texas 20th in a preseason ranking, is that too high? Is it too low? Is it just right? I don't know. But you start looking right at what everybody else in the Big 12 brings back. And the Texas roster, if you just look at it, 1 through 22, the 22 guys that are projected to start on both sides of the ball, you say Texas, you look at it and say, yeah, Texas should be able to compete for a shot in a Big 12 championship game. Yeah. But if it were only that simple, and we know it's never that simple, and you start looking at depth. And my question I posed to you guys last week was, when can we expect, how soon is it going to take Tom Herman? And given what we know now for a full year, we've had we've gotten a full year of, of Yancey McKnight and the strength program, a full year of this culture of Tom Herman, so we kind of have an idea now of what they're going to do from a player development standpoint and all that good stuff. So how soon, it's really twofold, how soon can we expect Texas to have talented depth at multiple positions? And two, which position groups on this roster can we say safely that their talented depth exists? Now, I think the second part is the easiest to answer first, yeah. and that will help us answer the first part. Great. So... Rod, I'm just going through this in my head. I was going through this in my head on the way here, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the positions that legitimately, where there's legitimate talented depth, I think in the secondary, yep. there's talented depth. I think the defensive line, yep. there's Agreed. talented depth. I think tight end, there's talented depth. Interesting. And because it's such a crapshoot, I'm going to say quarterback has talented depth. Now, it's unproven. Wide receiver. But yeah, there see, is talented depth there. That was my. I had to put three fingers up immediately, and your first two were mine, and I thought wide receiver, yeah. and you went QB tight end, which means if all of our minds together are right, we're in a good situation. It means also if we're wrong, then we don't know what we're looking at. I would only. I'm only going to dispute the because I agree with you about tight end and quarterback, by the way. But I'll play devil's advocate for the sake of the podcast because right. everybody agreeing is boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they're unproven commodities at tight end and quarterback. Though. Correct. Yes. So if you want to go talented depth in terms of things I've seen that are proven commodities that I can give you evidence to back up my claim, wide receiver, D line, secondary, 
And I think that might be right where, where I stop in terms That's of your proven experience. Depth. Everything else I would be projecting. Mm-hmm. I would be projecting with tight end, projecting with quarterback. You know what I mean? Okay, if we're, just based yeah, on right. the trend, though, just okay, based yeah. on what we've seen. If the quarterback is the one that you could sort of look at production and just with natural progression of collegiate and careers, to have Ellinger and Bouchel yeah. going into year three and two, that's something that most college programs, going into three and two is when you're starting to get some type of depth. And the, then the yeah. fact that you brought in good freshmen. So I would give you credit there. Right. You know, the the reason why I brought up quarterback is that position is, is at a spot where if the starter gets hurt, if something happens to Sam Ellinger, you're not thinking, oh, oh crap, they're screwed. Exactly. Yeah. The season just everything's just about to go exactly. to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. That's not the case because you've got a guy that okay, while he might have limitations, there are things you can do that where Shane Bouchelle can be successful. He's a starting caliber quarterback. And exactly. worth pointing out, I think the positions at least programs. three of them may be the most vital, especially in the Big Twelve. But if you were to pick position groups in which you can manufacture some type of production and elevate, mm-hmm. systemically you sort of can with throwing the ball to guys out of the backfield or some of the areas of weakness where you put your best athletes at linebacker and at running back. But if you're talking about overall, which which are the best to have in the Big 12, quarterback, DB, and D-line for pass rush, that's probably yeah. your passing game. So if you want to have that receivers, anywhere, yeah. you want to be proven at those areas, and then you try to manufacture st- systemically the other aspects, which Orlando does greatly by having the pieces, and we've already talked about, the way the symbiotic relationship almost works together between the back four or five or six, whatever you want to call it, in the front three and four. Same way with the passing game. So it's a good setup for the conference. Wide receiver, like wide receiver is the position, Rod, that I would disagree with you in terms of proven commodities. Because yes, you've got Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey at this point is a proven commodity. You know, we saw flashes from Devin Duvernay mm-hmm. two years ago. We've seen flashes from John Burt. So but outside in the context of, that, of the conference, that's pretty good though. Yeah, in con- my, 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 in context, my, my thing would be, to Texas. yeah, exactly. In terms of what your standard is, right? I'm not talking about a Jordan Shipley, Quan Cosby mm-hmm. like proven commodity. I'm talking about a receiving core where we know that all these guys are talented, and all these four guys that we all can see starting and go, okay, yeah, and yeah, some are pro potential. Start, uh, whether it be Colin Johnson or Lil Jordan Humphrey or Gerard Hurd or Duvernay. John Bertrand, du- Devin Duvernay, they're so deep and yeah, so talented. Agreed. You know what I mean? There are so many different guys that could have a breakout season, and you would not be shocked at all. With top it, talent, like you know five mean? stars or like yeah, NFL exactly. talent or pedigree. And yeah. then when you add on the fact that I think this is one thing, because like you opened the show talking about, Jeff, the way that we examine our team and look from the prism of our team. So normally when you look and say, oh, how's Texas going to do this year? You look at who Texas is playing and how, how you think Texas is going to fare, and then the players. Instead, I think most, like when you look at just a way that to look objectively at other conferences, you have to really look at the context of who your opponent is that year and how you compare right. to them instead of comparing us to historically what Texas is because we're distorted by viewing. You want to think, well, that good Texas team, this one's below it, therefore it can't be as good. But if the rest of the conference's context I'm, is I'm down, at the you can really too. be good. I'm looking at the conference too, and and with – you know, you look at the other teams in this league. You know, West Virginia. We know they've got the best quarterback in the conference. And, you yeah. know, Davis Sills returns, so we know they've got weapons on offense. You know, Oklahoma, until proven otherwise, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the same thing with Oklahoma State. They return Jalen McCluskey, who might might be the top slot guy in the country. Very true. So you know, I and then TCU with Jalen Rager and all the guys they've got coming back again. Quarterbacks uh, question mark for them, but the the talent is there. And I'll just use Athlon as the barometer 
Athlon doesn't rank Texas among the top half of receiver groups in the conference. They've got um, West, Virgi- West Virginia, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma yeah. State, TCU. But they do, I, I think their defense, Athlon Sports ranks Texas D-line, their linebacking core, and their defensive backfield all best in the conference. Number one in the Big 12, yeah. without <laughs> question. And, another, and, and surprisingly, I saw those rankings, the offensive line is fifth. And a lot of the time when these things I think are that, I think a lot of that's Calvin Anderson, though. The, I think the, a lot. The, I think the Calvin Anderson it, projection. Think exactly. About, yeah. I think if you look at the way that these national magazines, and it's, they're great sources, and they give you great information, Information, but it's more of sort of like remember the Mac Brown model like it was like oh man these starting 22 are as good as anybody in the nation but the rosters 23 to 85 really does make up what we're talking about that talented depth idea so when right. you look at each you know depth chart you know you could look at yeah. the starters and be like, oh these are two great starters and you look at Texas you say I don't even know who the hell they're gonna start which could be taken as something negative but it also could be taken as they have five guys that it potentially could start so we'll just see how it plays out My- my skepticism at wide receiver goes back to the fact that that group severely underperformed last year. But also how much of that was the offensive line. Right. There, was a, uh, there was a lot that went into that. There was a lot yeah. that went into that. Yeah. But, Rod, we talked new, about new offensive staff. <clears> we talked about scramble drill situations, yeah. how they were awful, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and Tom Herman talked about needing to be tougher at that position and like the mm-hmm. toughness factor. Now, we saw encouraging things in the spring from Colin Johnson. Little Jordan Humphrey might have had the best spring out of anybody in the program. Yeah. If not, Devin Duvernay's in that conversation. So mm-hmm. the, the air is probably pointing up for that group. I'm just I'm hesitant to say that 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 group is just chock full of dudes that you know what you're gonna get. True. Uh, I, I don't well, I don't know if you can say that about any of the groups necessarily on the offensive side of the ball. But mm. I will say of all the groups on the offensive side of the ball, I think the wide receiving group has the most depth. And I think I'll give you and upside. Yeah, exactly. That. In terms of like, yeah, if this guy reaches his ceiling. Otherwise, if Colin Johnson reaches his ceiling, decent. people are projecting him. And I've seen mock first draft, round. multiple ones right. that mock him as a first round pick. Yeah. Well, you you talked you know enough I mean? NFL scouts and personnel, Rob. What yeah. is the take of, of pro franchises on Colin Johnson right now? That from what he's you know? he's a freak. freak. That he, they basically that one on one Colin Johnson, like he's a guy that demands a double team. He's got gravity. You can back because shoulder him every could, single yeah, play in the NFL. He should be able to win, and that's probably why Tom Herman was so upset with him this past year. Like, hey man, you got to win every one on one. Like it, it shouldn't even be a, a situation you being taken out of the game. It should be because they are devoting two players to you, and now we we win the numbers game. Not because like, you didn't identify. Like yeah. the one-on-one and exactly. the, the play, it was going to be a back um, shoulder and then you brain farted. You um, can't so be brain I think, farted. I think that's why I like the wide receiving core so much. They have multiple guys that I see winning one-on-one battles. Okay. Devin Duvernay, Gerard Hurd, mm-hmm. Lil Jordan Humphrey, Colin I Johnson. I agree with you from this you know standpoint. I mean? If And I, I wrote about this. I think I wrote about this in my column this morning because I'm writing so much lately I just lose track of what's what. But I think this is in my column this morning. I wrote this about receiver because I went ahead and put it on paper, kind of what we've been talking about, that the blueprint for this offense yeah. should be to follow that 2008 model. And, Rod, I, I've got a stat for you, courtesy of our friends at Pro Football Focus, that hmm. I had to look at it like two or three times because I was like, that, that can't be right, right? Surely. Um, we talk about the quarterback component. I don't want to – don't let me lose track of where we are with this wide receiver discussion. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, okay. i got to throw this out yeah. there before I forget. Um, we talked about the quick passing game benefiting uh, – and I'll actually give you credit – benefiting Shane Bouchel because I said that's what Shane Bouchel does. And you said it benefits Sam Ellinger too. You know Sam Ellinger ranks third among returning Big 12 quarterbacks. Only Kyle Kemp at Iowa State and Will Grier at West Virginia mm-hmm. were better last year uh, in terms of passer rating on throws – that got out of the quarterback's hand within two and a half seconds of the snap. Wow, Ellinger's quarterback nice. rating on quick passes was 101.4. Bouchelle's was actually worse. He was 94.1. Wow. 
That'll help you against oh, all wow. inferior See, teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, and that'll break actually, your misperception of like how we oh, coach's kid, a guy that's a pedigree, he's going to be the one that always makes the right decision. Sounds as if you can diagnose and get rid of it. Ellinger may be doing it better. Um, well, actually, yeah. I mean, I and I agree with you. I'm, I'm so I'm, that's a cool stat. I'm gonna make sure that I write that down too. But I think that Shane. It's weird because we always thought Shane was. That was kind of his strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. That is the perception that in his battle, that strength, that his strength is he he gets it quick and like a like a baseball player, like a shortstop or something, he can flip it out there mm-hmm. quick and he's got you know a really quick release and he's about timing. And if Sam can kind of master that, um, and and I don't know if he's mastered, maybe it comes natural to him, and they can build a game plan around that. That goes to what we brought up about that K State game last year, which is the only game where the offense scored at least 30 points or more and didn't have a defensive or a non-offensive touchdown in that game, they threw it a lot. I think that was the most yards after catch or rack yards uh, that they had had uh, all season long. Uh, maybe Reg- Reggie, Reggie Hempel had like 12 mm-hmm. catches for yeah, 100 and I Colin Johnson had a decent game too. But th- I think that's going to be the blueprint until we figure out if the running game works. Right. And that's what hurts Shane in the quarterback, and we'll come back to our receiver too. I don't want to lose it. But that's what hurts Shane in this quarterback competition because if he had a running game, Shane Boucher would be a much more effective passer. Go back and look at his freshman year. Yeah. Foreman. I mean, he's a much more effective passer when he has the threat of a running game. But when he doesn't have a threat of a running game, those defensive coordinators, we saw what they were doing. Man, they're going to rush three, and they're going to drop eight, and they're just going to be like, all right. You know, we us. saw that at the end of his freshman year, that team started to do that, teams and then that's that. that's exactly what Iowa State you do did. Do that to with him. Sam, mm-hmm. man. Sam is gonna make you pay. Sam is gonna make you look bad because he's gonna go out there, he's gonna do some, some Russell Wilson, Tony Romo stuff, and just shaking people, and then getting, getting first downs, keeping the and, chains. Moving. And the thing, I, the thing I like about sorry, right? Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Shane can do that, but he can't do it as well as Sam. The can. thing that I like about Ellinger too, and, and the framework of Tom Herman's offense is, I think Tom Herman would like a quarterback where you can have a diverse run game. It's not just read options, or it's mm-hmm. not just this. I mean, yeah. you can have your quarterback powers and your counters because... He wants to be able to do a, quor- a quarterback reverse pass to the quarterback. You know I mean? <laughs> he, he's funky like right. that. Yeah. But as, as you Sam call him... can do that kind of stuff. As you call him Bam Bam Sam at 225, uh-huh. 230 pounds, mm. I mean, some, he's bigger than some linebackers he'll go up against in this league. You got a little mini Tebow mm-hmm. in him. Well, and what yeah. I like about this situation as you look into assuming that we're going to have both quarterbacks here on campus... Basically, when you combine the two skill sets, you have a complete quarterback. Therefore, when one isn't being effective in a game, it may mean that the backup may be the more effective one to change into that game. So you never want to pull your quarterback. But when you have the luxury or the necessity to have somebody maybe bring you back into a game if Sam's been ineffective, it's really good to have the total opposite version. Not total. I mean, he still has functional mobility. But your traditional pocket quarterback compared to a guy that can use his feet to extend if you need him. And when you've got that, when you've got that, and you've got a guy though, Matt, like you said, that that, that can get the job done under different circumstances. That's major coming in to save Chris Sims. That's mm-hmm. Chance Mont coming in to save Vy. That's mm-hmm. you know, hell, there was a game in 2007. Go back to that Nebraska game where Jamal oh. Charles had that monster, that monster fourth quarter. It was on TV. Hell, day. like the offense was stagnant. They're like, screw it. You remember the, the Q package with John Childs? Mm-hmm. Like hell, we just, just, just roll with John Childs. That was like, there was a couple drives where like John Childs turned some things around. Yeah, that was also that the offense. game where they showed Cody Clemens as like a seven year old in the stands. Right. Um, hey, Rod, that's a good memory. Going back to the, I go, saw the picture on Twitter yesterday. Going, going back to wide receivers, that the wide receiver discussion. I'm with you from the standpoint that if Colin Johnson. 
if he's that dominant guy that he needs to be, that he's got to be, you know, at this point. I think yeah. they hammered that home to him in the spring. If he's yeah. that guy, then it's going to open things up for everybody else. Oh, and, yeah. and and with Lil Jordan Humphrey's versatility, you're going to get some one on ones for Devin Duvernay and for John Burton, for Gerard Hurd, and the guys that that have that vertical element. And I think that's going to be the strength of the offense. Just projecting, looking forward, it's going to be versatility because now you talked about the depth at the tight end position. You know, guys like Kate Brewer and Reese Latow, and now you still got Andrew Beck as a veteran presence there. Um, I forgot the kid they're bringing in, Malcolm Epps. Malcolm Epps. Epps is probably a redshirt guy. But, redshirt. Yeah. but that's the beauty of it now. Right. You bring in a guy like Malcolm Epps, you're like, nah, we're going to redshirt him because we got three guys we can put in there that can be H-backs. They're versatile. And we all know tight ends. Tight ends are so crucial because they, they give you the ability to be malleable on offense from down to down. You can shift, turn him into an H-back, turn him into a fullback, put him at tight end, split him out, whatever the uh, situation calls for. Um, and now you got Trey Washington coming in, and we've talked about his versatility as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Lil' Jordan Humphrey, we've projected him to be, you know, I think he can be what, at Rice, uh, what uh, James Casey, James Casey yeah. was for Tom Herman. He was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, was a guy who was really versatile, piece for him. So you got three different guys already in the offense. And we're not even talking about Gerard Hurd, who's going to be a little weapon for you, depending on how you want to use him, that can make the offense versatile from down to down and within a down. So I think that's going to kind of be what, and it goes back to your conversation about the 2008 offense, you know, Chris Obanaya is a really big part of what made them special. Yep. Because on the outside, once, you know, you pay too much attention to Jordan, you know, to Jordan Shipley and to Quan Costa, which you had to because those guys could beat one-on-one at any given time with the most accurate quarterback arguably in college football history. When you devoted way too much attention to stopping that threat, Chris Obanaya going to leak out the backfield <laughs> and catch a little swing pass for about eight yards. You're like, well, hell, man, I can't cover those two Especially guys. Especially when that linebacker's playing on your mobile <laughs> yeah, quarterback. Exactly. And, you, exactly. and that's two-way two way for exactly. one person to guard yeah, and, him. And, and, and Colt led the team in rushing and passing that year in 2008. And it wasn't really because he he he, he was like the, the only threat on the offense. It was because... You had, there were so many different ways that Texas could beat you, whether it be Quan or Jordan or Chris Obanaya right. with the you know the the depth of a thousand knives and a thousand cuts uh, that you were like, damn, I didn't account for this dude being able to run for twelve yards uh, to get a first down. Yeah, I mean, you know, long. if we're talking about running backs, and we focused a lot about Trey Watson, you know, out of the backfield, but something I noticed when we were looking at the advanced stats last week, and I never or a couple weeks ago, and I never brought it up, but when you look at Tony Carter, now it was a small sample size last. Last year with 53 carries his highlight yards per opportunity which if you look at the metrics basically the five yards gained the first five yards is attributed mostly by the offensive line's job to get the running back those five yards therefore after those five they give you highlight yards which then are made basically on you one-on-one against an opposing defender Tony Carter was at six and a half highlight yards per opportunity last year for context Deontay when he had his all-world 2000 plus season only five and a half yards per opportunity so you look at those highlight yards it's a small sample you're talking about 50 carries compared to 300 carries but if you want to take it back to the year before whenever Deontay had less than 100 carries back when it was a three-headed monster he did have eight highlight yards per opportunity so some regression could be there but the fact that you are in between Deontay's great season you're above it and then his small sample size season you're below it sort of shows that he could really have some good production if the offensive line gives him the opportunities to get past it that all depends on the offensive line if the offensive line ain't opening up holes you don't even get a shot for highlight yards per opportunity so it's something that 
that sort of has to be with the other to be Let, able to do it. Let's get back to this discussion. Let's table this for just a sec because this also came down with the NCAA rules changes. And Rod, I want to see you might save this for your show today. I don't know, but this is uh, this is all. This also came down today. Uh, starting in October, Division One student athletes will have the ability to transfer and receive a scholarship at another school without asking permission. Without having to ask permission oh, nice. from their current it school, to be a pr- so wow. they don't have to be approved. Right. Uh, the rule change ends the controversial practice in which some coaches or administrators would prevent students from having to from having contact with specific schools. Conferences, however, can still make rules that are more restrictive than the national rules. Oh, so the SEC is going to hop on real quick and say, like, we can't do it inside conference the same like way. Like the Big 12 could still like say, that. yeah, you can transfer within the conference, you know, regular transfer, but, you know, you, you'd still, you know, you'd lose an extra year or whatever. But you still get the penalty. Well, it's open. Dependent on the conference. The depending basic, on. That hasn't happened yet. So it's just basically overarching saying that you can decide to transfer until, like, now we're going to have conferences coming out with their own specific rules. Right. Basically, the NCAA says, hey, this is. It's our, like the gambling rule yes, for Yes. Uh, the NCAA says yeah, this isn't so our deal perfect, anymore. You guys, the state-to-state issue. Yeah, it's That's a, a perfect it's a conference issue now. It's not an NCAA issue. So I just wanted to bring that up. Actually, it's not a bad way to no, do it. No, it's starting like in the right direction. Handled their national anthem policy. They probably should just make it a state's issue. Well, you don't know, make it a state's issue. States, you take care of it. And that's what's so NCAA in this situation. Less work for us, and we get better type of credit. Okay, so let's get back to talking about talented depth at Texas. We've talked about wide receiver, and I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. Um Let's look at the groups where we said let's they definitively do not have talented depth, right? In defense, that's really easy because the only group we're talking about is linebacker. And this year you have Gary Johnson and Anthony Wheeler as seniors. We also got Ed Freeman as a senior. And Rod, this is a position where over time with spread offenses and you know scheme fits and things like that, it's gotten harder to recruit linebackers. It seems like even though Texas just had a really good one on campus with Malik Jefferson. Um, this is one where I think you, if you're Texas, you might have to like look at going the JUCO route, to or maybe the grad transfer route, yeah. Uh, you know, to get you some depth because once Gary Johnson and Anthony Wheeler, Anthony Wheeler are gone, uh, you're looking at like Delhi Adaway, Byron Hobbs, like you're looking at just having to maybe get some, you know, just throw some young guys in the mix and, yeah. and kind of hope for the best. So, well, that's always a great recruiting tool too, right? That's, that's true. always a great way to get the best linebacker in the state. It's like, listen, man, you see what. You see that? You see that pile of crap we got out there? You know what I mean? Like basically, take the yeah Charlie Weiss of recruiting approach. Come in and come in and compete. You can come compete, compete for a job you know early you can in your career. Probably you can win this job, man, if you're that talented. Right, and I believe you are. Yeah. So, based on Todd Orlando, it's a defensive position. So, based on the the premise here that Todd Orlando is going to be around for a while, you think it's it shouldn't be that long, should it, before Texas has talented depth at linebacker again? Man, um, it depends on. You know, because I, I want to say that it depends on exactly what you want out of your linebackers. Like Brian Aragpo, do we consider him a linebacker? Well, he was at Texas. De, you know, at Derek, Texas, no, but yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. De, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like Derek Johnson was a linebacker, but it depends because they all morph. Like the mm. 2005 national title team didn't have great linebackers. No. Aaron linebacker. Harris. Like all-time great linebacker. Eric Hall. They had good linebackers. Aaron Harris. They had Aaron good Hall. linebackers. They weren't all-time great transcendent linebackers. The best yeah. players on that 2005 national title team on the front, on the D line uh-huh. and in the secondary, yep. And in the Big Twelve, as you point out about culture, mm-hmm. that's really what you need. Yeah. Linebacker is all, it's kind of a luxury. We item need in a the crazy killer brew, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it helps to have it. If you have it, great. But you, 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 you really need 
a good D. I'll give you an example, right? Need a good defensive backfield linebacker. Go look uh, at you go, can cover up a lot of that with a great D line. Great go look at go look at the really too. go look at the really good defenses Gary Patterson's had in this league. They had great linebackers. Yeah, he's had dogs up front and dogs on the back end. I don't yeah. think this league's yeah. had great NFL linebackers in up a front, decade. NFL players on the back end. The, the other guys in the linebacking core, hell, usually with you know Gary Patterson, hell, he probably they probably changed positions a couple of times. Smart football players, high school he's, option quarterback yeah, is now my two time All Big Twelve safety. You know, I can't think yeah. of a true linebacker other so, than like your Keenan Robinson's. Like, there's a few from Texas, but in the rest know, the of the Acha, conference, Acha, uh, Emmanuel. Well, I know. Uh, so Manny the rest, Acha, I'm saying the rest of the conference, um, I can't think of any in the past decade. That are in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I know non-Texas are, teams. Yeah, line, linebacker to me in the Big Twelve is just one of those things where, like I said, it's kind of a luxury. I have a great linebacker. Like, yeah, we kind of wasted Malik because I got part of it was the culture of the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't need great. It's a luxury. You have a great linebacker. So did you just kid? You just kill the recruiting pits for Ty Orlando to recruit? <laughs> well, no, recruit well, even he proved it. He went to yeah. a dime package. He had Malik Jefferson. He had a deep linebacking court. Went through a dime package. It was like, nah, Big 12. Got to win. Going dime. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, you need those Dewan Grosses yeah. or those hybrid that's, guys that in college yeah. can play linebacker but are pro safety. That's why almost. Malcolm Roach is great. Mm-hmm. Because Malcolm Roach is or a linebacker. But you know what? I can spin him down. I can do some funky things with him. You know what I mean? Give me so, a ton of Lamar Houston's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't really know. Put them everywhere. I'm, yeah, it, it's. Yeah, in the Big Twelve, I think it's uh, like I said, it's a luxury item. In so the, really, in the are SEC, you in the, in the SEC in the Big Ten? You better have great linebackers. Yeah. So are you? You lead your group. If you're in the Big Twelve, if you're Todd Orlando, and not to say you can find this guy because this guy really is one of the probably fastest guys in the league on you defense. Mean your talent like well, a, or just, well, uh, is Gary Johnson really your ideal like the the blueprint of what you want in a Big Twelve linebacker? A guy that's great in <laughs> space, can fly. run, yeah. but Malik he's physical enough to where he can handle playing between the tackles. Yeah, and he can run. Yeah. So I know he can cover a little bit if he gets caught in the So like he is, has Gary Johnson now become kind of your blueprint? I agree with that, actually. Yeah. I mean, and, and Malik, actually, because he was just so athletic, was always the blueprint. But, yeah, who can get a five-star linebacker? They don't <laughs> grow on trees. Like, you exactly. only get a couple. So, and yeah, Texas might have got you. the last two in the I mean, state it, in the last if you're, if you're a five-star, If you're a five-star linebacker, honestly, I mean, yeah, Nick this is no disrespect. Yeah. This is no Ohio disrespect. State, Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you've got Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. All yeah, the you know, yeah. Exactly. With a resume and a track record. of Even like USC, Penn State, schools that historically. Defenses and to stop to where I mean, if you're a linebacker, you almost don't want. To so really, back. whether or not Texas has talented depth is going to be up to Todd Orlando to find the right fits in recruiting and recruiting into the development. Well, and that's what the great and thing is when we're talking about how schematically you can elevate production at certain positions, especially when you're relying upon the most athletic players. And that's where linebacker and you can find gyms, running backs, you can find gyms. It's the same reason that in the NFL you don't see them get drafted as high as you used to because you found out that it's the one that knocks you out the most. It's not going to last or be around as long. And now in this conference, you aren't going to need them as much. Therefore, if you can find the more specialized ones and fit them in or don't allocate all your resources to get a piece that isn't going to be that vital to success, put it where we're talking in the areas that are going to be needed, which are, you know, D-line, you know, DB, a, wide receiver, A guy that's carved out a nice career for himself that was a state of Texas kid that Texas didn't recruit who's gone on to, again, had a really nice career. Uh, in the NFL. Think about a guy like Sean Witherspoon from Missouri, mm-hmm. the first-round pick of the Falcons, big yeah. part of the Falcons' defenses yeah. uh, throughout the last decade. Sean Witherspoon like, has kind of become, I mean, he was you know a 
190 pounds safety in high school, but you know, he looked 6'2", 244, not like a big hulking 260-pound guy, but a dude 235 to 240 pounds, that, that came, like Malik Jefferson. That yeah. came, that Literally, came Alec Ogletree is that from, perfect thing. Man, he uh, played at Nebraska, played Duong Gross? Yeah, is it? No, no, no. Oh, Levante oh, David. Levante, Levante David. Levante yes, David. yes, yes. like that, yeah. right? Levante. The same mold. Um, I think he plays line. I don't know if he's still with the Bucs. That's now, what Deion Buchanan was. He, was. he was a safety, and then the Big 12, he basically played like nickel or roll. Levante David, 6'1", 233. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, that's, exactly. that's it. That's your, that's your Big 12 linebacker in a nutshell. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's go to offense. And I want to save. Yes. Gosh, I still think of DeMarco well, Cosmo. Well, that's what I'm saying. Ahead of his time, you see players like that that don't. What do you because that's your that's your fantasy? Like Demarvio and Overshone is Todd Orlando. When you can be Will Muschamp's <laughs> fantasy. That yeah, he was. He yeah, was I know that's because what he was I'm such saying. a freak athletically. That's what I think Demarvio and Overshone is like. Man, look for at that, that B backer spot, like what Jason Hall yeah, is. Yeah, and yeah. like, dude, look at that guy can grow into. You know, that's why you looked at Malik like that. You know, Overshone reported at like two fifteen. Dude, but he can carry it. He still yeah. looks skinny. Yeah, exactly. He still looks skinny. I had a exactly. social friend who was like, no, dude, he look, he's still skinny. I was like, I wonder how much weight they can dude, put he, on him. That's what a Ragpo came in at. Like Sean Taylor soon. Like, yeah, about really. He could be 230 pounds and still be, still be one of the fastest like, guys exactly. on the field. Yeah. Dude, that, that could be a Ragpo came in that at six. The game there's, a recent, there's a reason people yeah. compared him to like Steve Atwater. I'm like, really? Like. Yeah, I know. You're, people you're going way that back. more excited about him he, in terms of his upside. He's kind of like a Mo Bamba in the sense that, dude, if that dude reaches his ceiling, he could just be a of freak. the of the of the summer enrollees for the freshmen. The three guys that I keep hearing over and over and over again mentioned are Demarvion Overshone, uh, Joseph Osai as an edge guy, yeah. and, and Moro Ojimo. Uh, he, he both Houston area. Ojimo is from Katy. Osai is from Conroe. Ojimo is from Katy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the three guys that, and that's the that's again D line edge rusher and B backer hybrid safety. Big we're talking, yeah, okay. You could, yeah. They're kind of recruiting to the big twelve. Uh, you know I mean? Let's Every flip it over team. to offense and let's look at running back. Rod, yeah. I, to me, running back. You know, Matt, you just talked about you can kind of manufacture those guys. We've seen Texas kind of take both approaches. We've seen them recruit big time guys that panned out, recruit big time guys that didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to try to hit it big with you know kind of under the radar guys that didn't work, and then you end up with Deontay Foreman. So mm-hmm. really, I think it's just in Rod. This just goes to the bigger picture problem you've talked about. Really, the running back situation. As I just broke something in the studio, um, <laughs> you just admitted it too. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you it's just running board down here. Tra- Travis, we need to fix that before we get out of here. <laughs> well, yeah, um, Dave. But uh, yeah, I don't need I don't need Dave coming by yelling like at you me. You break something in the house with your woman, you just kind of put it like, you know what, I'm gonna put it right. I don't, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you know, I, my brother did it. <laughs> She's gonna break it when she comes by. Babe, so. what happened to this? She broke the trash can. Babe, what happened to this pot? I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, <laughs> the damn dogs! Those damn dogs! <laughs> I saw the cat up there messing around earlier. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Matt, but we, we, there's Rod you running backs now to blame it on. Run, yeah, exactly. Ooh, <laughs> running running backs come in different shapes and sizes and yeah. skill sets. Um, Rod, to me, it just it goes back to the age old question you ask: What do you want to be on offense? How do you want to attack people? And can you find a guy that fits what you want to do? What you want to do? It's that simple. It, it really is that simple. If you want to go downhill running game, you got to make sure you got a running back that fits that scheme. Remember, uh, take it back to my the Shanahan clan because I, you know, to the football minds, those are the ones I respect a lot and I have a close relationship with. They got remember they got rid of Clint 
Yeah, I'm making it work. When they got rid of Clinton Portis in Denver, yeah, when he was like at his peak too, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and they got rid of him. Like, trade, it, was like it was a trade, Champ Bailey for Clinton Portis. Exactly, and people were like, man, why'd you get rid of that running back in his prime? He was like, he was like one of the NFL's leading rushers, like top five the last two or three years. Um, and it was like, well, he doesn't really fit that that zone blocking scheme that we want. He's a great running back, and he mm-hmm. can probably get a thousand yards with any damn blocking scheme, but. He doesn't fit the. He's not a perfect. He's not a good fit for us. <laughs> the next right. year, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and then they try, and and we found out in that zone blocking scheme over the years. Hell, man, damn near anybody can run for a thousand. Landis Gary was a thousand yard guy. Mike Anderson was a thousand yard guy. Three or four different guys. You know what I mean? What's the one without the children? Uh, he was in a, the oh, Travis Hill. Oh, yes. Hill. Like, well, I like it. Jeff the with all the children. <laughs> well, I went to Cromarty. <laughs> I've got to go. Cromarty because he has way more. <laughs> and he just, I know. I've got to go sport positions because, like, you could go Sean Kemp, you could go Cromarty, you could go a number of different ways. My point is, they were like, no, no, we can get a thousand yard rusher. What about the value? The value is, let's go get a corner. We need a corner that can lock down. That guy, he's not a great value. He's just a good running back for us. And that's about the value of the running back position, period. But about fit, I totally agree. And that's why. Keontae Ingram. I'm excited about Trey Watson. Mm. Nobody's more excited about Trey Watson than Trey Watson. But then right. probably right behind Trey Watson, I'm I'm really excited because I think he is a, right there with a his perfect fit for this offense and what Tom Herman wants to do with his running backs because he wants them to be a pass-catching threat. I think ideally, like, and granted, yeah, you, you look at him and look at his NFL production, and we're talking about on the field only. I think Tom Herman would love to have Ezekiel Elliott again. Oh, yes. yeah, or Le'Veon Bell. We're talking just on the field, that, OJ, man. Hey, I'm going to give it to you 30 times, and you oh. just keep pounding away, pounding away, pounding away, and eventually one's going to pop. That's exactly right. Yep, I that agree just, that. And, and that guy that's got the well-rounded skill set to be able to, hey, he'll, he'll, he can play on third down, yeah. goal line, short yardage, doesn't matter, whatever. Yeah. We can keep him on the field. Yeah. He can play all 80 plays. Those guys that are hard was, to find. They, they are hard to find. used to be easier to find but like, But like Matt said, you don't necessarily need to recruit a blue-chip guy. You just really no, – that no. position – yeah. Really, in terms of evaluation, it yeah. really is in the eye of the beholder. We've seen those guys at UTEP, for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like, Aaron we, Jones. That's what I'm we played against really good players from UTEP. And that's where like, allocation damn, of resources. A, a South Florida or mm-hmm. whatever, and been like, damn, that's a really good running back. Guy, You're thinking of Central Florida, Kevin Central Smith. Florida. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and those guys weren't, thank you. See, I, I, right now, I can't think of the names, but uh, the guys are uh, vibing, all right? Yeah. So, but my point is, yeah, those guys are probably three-star guys or two-star guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they had a star at all, but they had a, a specific kind of in, intrinsic grit in running back. you got to be able to have that. They're not always the fastest, not always the most explosive. They're not Jamal Charles of the group. They're Selvin Youngs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, just can, they can carry a load if they need to carry a mm-hmm. load. They're just, and they're really quality running backs. So I agree with you on that. Too. And I think the Florida Atlantic one was Alfred Morris. So, so running back. Yeah, I think you're right. So, running back is probably the one position on offense where it shouldn't take them that long to have some talent to depth. It's just a matter of can you figure out what you want to do and go identify that guy. Now, you can, they're recruiting, you know. Noah Kane, you know, Zach Evans at North Shore yeah. in 2020. Is, Zach Evans at North Shore in 2020. Rod, you're starting to hear. The Adrian Peterson stuff whoa, with whoa, this young whoa. man. Slow down. People are people are throwing it out there already. That's not me. That's just right. what I. That's the word I'm on the street. Adrian Peterson, like when he's in eighth grade. Uh, 
You hear Fournette, and it was on one of our first podcasts. You you hear stuff about Adrian Peterson, like man, there's this there's this kid out in Palestine had like 12 carries for 380 yards in the first half. Yeah, he's got a baby mama already. Check that birth certificate. And you did say that about Dylan Moses when he was like a seventh or eighth grader. I'll never forget watching Adrian Peterson his senior year at Texas Relays, like running like the small school 100 meter dash. Yeah, I mean like this this. This dude looks like he's twenty. Like right. somebody check the damn birth certificate. There's no way this kid's eighteen. Gotta go. I call BS. Like the dude's like chiseled, look like a Greek god, and he's running like running against some like five seven kid who's probably running a meth lab at this time. Call Crawford Crawford looked like a grown man out there playing against us, but it was like he was like getting under center, and the center was like at his knees. I'm like, come on, man. I'm picturing that meme of like LeBron looking like a car mechanic smoking a cigarette, but then he's going out there and like he's running. And that's him, kind of a menthol right after the game. So the other positions on offense, we already talked about tight end. We've beaten quarterback to death, but offensive line, Rod, is the one that it's going to take some time. I'm excited about it. it, it It's starting to trend up a little bit. They got talent. They got depth now for the first time in a long time, like guys and, and experience, depth and experience for the first time. In a long yeah. Time. So uh, to me, the key though is, can how many of these fresh these high school offensive linemen coming in the junior Angelos, Christian Jones, mm-hmm. Reese Moore, Rafiti Gramai, how many of these guys can you redshirt? And, and and in a perfect world, you'd love to redshirt all, all of them. them. <laughs> love to redshirt all of them, but that that's going to come down to camp battles. And what do you get out of a Sam Cosme? What do you get out of a, a Tope Amade? You know, Patrick Hudson's health is huge. To I mean, Patrick Hudson could the the two guys I think that could really change the the look and the complexion of this offensive line are Calvin Anderson and Patrick Hudson. Like if Calvin Anderson again, my expectation for him is if if he gives you like what Donald Hawkins gave this program mm-hmm. as a senior, which is you you're like a second team All Big Twelve guy, you're a thirteen team star. Basically, nobody worries about your position because you got it covered. Maybe you're not an All American, but that doesn't matter. You're you're good. Nobody worries about left tackle because you you got it covered. But man, Patrick Hudson, if Patrick Hudson gets it and he's healthy. Man, I could see him taking a job from somebody at guard. I could see him being that good to where the coach is like, you know what, we we gotta play the guy. No, that, that well, that's what you want because that means you got two of them, right? Um, and that's what you need on the offensive line. You want these guys to crack the rotation. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you need a solid eight, and you're gonna need two of these guys or three of these guys that you're confident at playing multiple positions. Elijah Rodriguez is up. one of those guys. Yeah, you go. And you I think I mean? Derek Kerstead or cross training him at center was huge this spring. Yeah. And, and Denzel Okafor, I think, is a guy that could go. that could kick inside and give you some reps. Yeah, that's the key. The, the, even the Cowboys, I mean, that's best, the blueprint. But... Two or three guys that are versatile, and then you have your then eight. You know, your eight guys that you can rotate, and then you got to have an anchor. I'm with you. Calvin Anderson's got to be the anchor. Right. He's got to be the guy that. All right, you know what? We can build a blo- a protection around that being secure, not worrying, worrying about that. All right. So if we got to help this guy or help somebody else, we can help them, but we ain't got to worry about Calvin Anderson. Hopefully, that's the case. Because think, because going forward, because you're still in that position with on the offensive line like you were last year. Like if Calvin Anderson goes down, you're back to square one. Yeah, I, would it be as, would it be as disastrous as last year if they lose? Like when I mean, Connor Williams. Yeah, because you saw what they say had at left tackle. Yeah, there's so many unproven commodities. We're all being hopeful and optimistic, but you're right. A lot of unproven. Even Calvin Anderson coming in with the trade. right, and that's where you know it's, 
It all depends on how good the replacement is, and this is where a stat like wins above replacement in other sports can give you a lot of context because last year the amount of uh, the crater below Connor Williams for that replacement player shows the value in a player like Williams. This year, if you say have a guy that's performing at average, well, if he goes out, you may not have that much of a drop-off because you have another player being so great. So it'll be interesting to see. Now you hope. You don't. Now you could have a guy that comes in and performs at the level of Connor Williams, which is great, but then that also means that if he goes out, you're going to be more reliant offensively on one or two and Matt, going back, going back to your point about looking at the conference and, and looking at how good you need to be offensively in this league to succeed, what are the two positions we keep going back to on offense? That you know, I know there's, there's talent at quarterback, but quarterback talent and quarterback production, as we talked about, Two very different things. No doubt. What are the two position groups we're most unsure about on this entire roster? Quarterback, Quarterback and the offensive line. <laughs> Here we are once yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Other than if, if we were if we were sure about those if we were as sure about those two units and groups as we are about the defense. This is a nine or ten win team, no question. How <laughs> profound is our insight here? <laughs> you need a good start off with a good line and a good quarterback. Yeah, but I, I think I think right now everything is trending up though because the additions you made and the improvements you brought in her pan, you changed the coach, you brought in Calvin Anderson, you got graduate transfer help. Uh, with the quarterback, you loaded the quarterback room with scholarship quarterbacks and talent. I just think that Tom Herman did everything he could. That's to that's how that's where like I wanted to end. Like, it. That's where what I wanted else to end did you want week? the man to yeah. do to address it? Got new coach, grad transfers, grad transfers. You know, Grandy. I threw it. I threw as much as I could at it. You know, what I, I, mean? I said when the time he was hired, that first really like eighteen to twenty four months, how he managed the roster was really going to determine Tom Herman's fate yeah. ultimately in this job. And man, honestly, considering the circumstances, I think you got to give him an A plus more than for roster management. Oh, I like it. Please. And that may have been one of the things that we saw during the beginning of the Charlie Strong era because he was cleaning it's a up and changing the program. You had the purge. It was like, man, our roster was way deteriorated going yeah. into year two compared to this. Yeah. No, I know, and I know they still there's still changes that he made in terms of the coaching staff. Uh, but there's more of a sense of urgency than there was with Charlie to fix things. And even though he made changes, everybody's still here. Not afraid to so change. Nobody's gone. He just kind of added to the staff. It's, in, it's and, interesting and that's to look a good at point. It's why like not being afraid to change. Yeah. The not end, being the afraid Mac, to jump off. The end of Mac Brown's time and Charlie Strong's change. It's like Mac just Mac Ben's like. Why do we have three snappers on scholarship? I don't know. We just need to keep batting bodies, see what's yeah, wrong. Yeah. Try to <laughs> and then Charlie Strong, like Matt said, you purged it. And yeah. then I hate to use Cut those terms, but now Tom Herman's like, look, let's just look at this realistically. Let's yeah. look at what we need mm-hmm. and, and go try to get it. And go try to get it. Yep. Just that simple. Yeah. So I, 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 lo- I love what he's done Through now. JUCOs do. and grad transfers and recruiting and, and running back position, needed a grad transfer. A lot more specialized, got, got detailed. There. Like he, in the wide receiver position, we were complaining about it not living up to expectation or, you know, not not performing up to expectations, he got a new wide use receiver your coach. Use your tenth assistant to bump Corby Meekins out there to help he's, out. He's addressing the issues, man. Instead like, of saying hey, that, Todd Orlando may leave. All right, bump him in salary. Like everything that needed to be addressed in the offseason was addressed. So I have no reason to believe that they're not going to get better. Right. They were seven and six last year. Yeah, instead of saying we'll figure it out, it's all right. We know what we need, and we're replacing those holes. Yeah. All right, that is going to do it for us this week on the show. Matt, thanks for everything, You're man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, worldwide on The Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Same this plug. And thanks to Matt. You get us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, mm-hmm. and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.